Hi, friends. Welcome as we gather once again to uh, continue our study on Nehemiah. We're looking at the Old Testament book, of course, of Nehemiah. Some great stuff that we'll be looking at today in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Uh, just a couple of reminders to, to give us a little background story, and I apologize if I'm repeating some of the things that uh, Pastor Horner has already told us. But remember, this is taking place uh, during the the return of the people of Israel. Um, the peop- the 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 nation of Israel under the kings of Israel, you know, Saul, David, Solomon, uh, slowly uh, the the 12 tribes came together. Uh, when Solomon died, his children couldn't get along. And so the kingdom broke into two, uh, broke into two. The southern kingdom, the much smaller, geographically smaller kingdom was called Judah. And in Judah is where the where the city of Jerusalem was. Jerusalem, of course, was the center uh, of the government. It's where the king resided. It's also where the temple was built. Um, there were two of the 12 tribes that compromise, or comprised the country of Judah. The northern kingdom, geographically much larger, uh, that became known as the country of Israel. And they built their own uh, their 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 own uh, headquarters or own government headquarters in the town of Bethel. Uh, that's also where they built their temple. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians in the 780s uh, BC. Um, the southern kingdom of Judah stuck around for a while until it fell to the Babylonians in the um, 580s. <coughs> excuse me, the 580 uh, BC when Judah fell. Then the Babylonians took the vast majority of, uh, of the residents of, of Jerusalem back to the city of Babylon, roughly 300 miles to the east. Um, but uh, Jerusalem was put for a little while under a vassal. They rose up again against Babylon. Babylon came in and this time just raised the city, destroyed uh, the temple, destroyed most of the buildings, destroyed the walls. About 70 years, the people of Israel languished in exile uh, in Babylon, or in, yeah, in Babylon, um, until the Persians uh, beat out the Babylonians. Oh, you know, remember, there's always somebody bigger, meaner, and badder than you. So the Assyrians were beat out by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were beat out by the Persians. So a guy named Artaxerxes comes to power in, in Persia. And he has a um, wine bearer by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has been born in captivity. He's been born there in Babylon. He's never known the home country. Uh, however, he hears rumors that that the city of Jerusalem is still in, in shambles, and so he asks permission from the king to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. This is, in, this is, this is a pretty actually good move because up until this point, there, there's that. There's not really been a thriving um, economic uh, life going on in Jerusalem, and so Persia is not receiving a whole lot of funding. They're not. They're not. They're not. Their coffers aren't filling up because they're not getting a whole lot of money from the former kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Uh, Nehemiah says to him, basically, if if we go back, if you allow me to go back and rebuild. 
the walls of Jerusalem, we can kickstart the economy, and that will be good for per. Not only will it be good for all of these people who are pining to go back home, it will be good for the economy of Persia as well, because you'll have a new base. They've been taxing the, the people that are still there in, in Jerusalem, but if they have a thriving economy, they'll be able to pay more. You know, makes it makes economic sense. So, Anaxerxes, in part because he really likes uh, his <coughs> his servant Nehemiah, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but also because there's going to make some good economic sense. Anaxerxes allows Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem. Now we heard back in chapter two when when Nehemiah got there. Do you remember in in chapter two? There were some guys who were a little ticked off uh, in chapter 2. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, heard of Nehemiah returning to start to rebuild the, the wall, um, when they heard of it, they mocked and ridiculed. Uh, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And Nehemiah replied to them, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success. We, his servants, are going to start building, but you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. So, who are these guys? Uh, um, Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, and Geshem. Well, basically, I mean, we we can we can we can call them a couple things. We can call them bullies. We can call them uh, warlords. They're guys basically who 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 saw an opening and you know nature abhors a vacuum. These guys came in to fill that vacuum. There was no power. There in Jerusalem, so they came in to to reap the financial rewards. Sure, they're they're sending some stuff back to Persia, but they're keeping a lot of it. Now, this is going to be important. This will come into play in in what we're looking at today. So, um, so so we start off with um, you know we we oh and the other thing I wanted to mention as well. Uh, remember too that the book of Nehemiah is is pretty unique in all of scripture, uh, that the book of Nehemiah really is like a memoir. It, you know, we, we have history books, uh, we have letters, we have, um, uh, you know, some, some, some writings, uh, but the, the Nehemiah is, it's almost like a, a memoir, a diary as such. It's not, you know, I mean, the books of the prophets are, God speaking to the prophets, and then the prophets writing down what God's saying to them, and then what's happening. But when we read Nehemiah, it really stands alone uh, throughout all of Scripture, because Nehemiah is talking uh, about himself and explaining himself as he goes along. It's, it's, you, we could argue that some of the prophets are like this, and, and that's true. But Nehemiah, the entire, but, they, but the prophets only do that for bits and pieces and sections. Nehemiah is almost the entire book is like um, a memoir, is like a diary, um, and so uh, Nehemiah stands alone in in the Jewish scriptures. Uh, the the Jewish right, the Jewish scriptures are broken down into into three sections, uh, broken down into the books of Moses, the Law, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's broken down into the prophets, the major prophets, and the minor prophets. And by major and minor, we simply mean 
how long the books themselves are, right? And then it's the section of the writings. And Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah really, in well, in the Jewish scriptures, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book. That they pretty much go together because they talk about the rebuilding of the temple and then the rebuilding of the walls. Um, and and uh, so Nehemiah is, like I say, Nehemiah is unique within within scripture in in that way and it's part of the writings it's in the third section of the jewish scripture of writings another quick thing just to note and and to me it's one of those bible nerd kind of a things because that's what i am but it, it, i just find it interesting in jewish scripture uh the third chapter of nehemiah goes all the way through what in our new revised standard version the nrsv uh, which is what I'll be reading, reading primarily from. Um, the NRSV, um, in the Jewish scripture, uh, the third chapter goes all the way up to chapter 4, verse 6. And so in Jewish scripture, what is R, what is in the NRSV, is chapter 4, verse 7, is chapter 4, verse 1 in the Jewish scripture. Um, and the only explanation I have found for that is because the numbering system that we use for the NRSV or, or for most English Bibles is based on the Septuagint. The Septuagint is this, the, the Jewish scripture, but it was translated into Greek. Of course, remember, the original Jewish scripture is all written into Hebrew. Uh, but then uh, around the, the first century uh, BC, it was translated into Greek. And um, then it was this Greek then that was translated into Latin to become the Latin Vulgate. Okay? Uh, Bible nerd stuff. Nerd alert, nerd alert. So, uh, but that, that's why that's why there's there's a slightly different numbering system. Let's start with chapter four in our NRSV. Um, now, Sanballat heard that, that we were building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged, and he mocked the Jews. Remember, I called these guys bullies or, or warlords, and, and he's enraged. Uh, he said in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish and burned ones at that? So Sanballat hears that, that or, and, and even sees, you know, Nehemiah is coming back and they're trying to rebuild the walls. Now remember, like I said, the, the walls, most of the city has been raised. Ezra came along, uh, was able to restore the temple. But, you know, still the, the, these local warlords, these local bullies, they're coming in and they're, they're trying to rob the, the people that are, uh, that are coming into Jerusalem. Nobody's, most historians agree that at this point in history, uh, there's not necessarily a lot of people living in Jerusalem itself. There's a lot of people on the outskirts of Jerusalem, uh, but there's not necessarily people living in Jerusalem. But still, these guys, Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, um, they're they're coming in and they're you know they're they're gouging people. They're they're trying to get their shekels uh, more than anything else. And so they they hear that somebody's going to come along and try to 
uh, rebuild Jerusalem, well, you know, they're 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 being sarcastic. They're oh yeah, right, yeah, show me a new one. Uh, you know, what, you know, are, are, how quickly are they going to get this done? Are they going to finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubble? So yeah, because the wall, remember. You know, uh, uh, 2,500 years ago, uh, that that cities would have walls around them, towns would have walls around them, literally, to help protect the townspeople. These ta these walls were were for the most part pushed down, ruined uh, by the Babylonians, and so um, th they have no big, uh, no 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 form of. Um, of protection on the inside, um, and and Sanballat's just you know he's he's trying to intimidate he's trying to intimidate Nehemiah and the folks who are coming to uh, to rebuild things. Um, verse three: Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, "The stone wall that they are building, any fox is going up on it would break it down." So even Ammonite, or excuse me, even Tobiah. Um, Tobiah the Ammonite, you know he he gets in on this. Oh, you know. They're they're gonna build something so you know so strong you know a fox a little fox is gonna jump on it and the whole thing's gonna come crumbling down. Well, again, they're they're belittling Nehemiah. They're trying to to you know shame people into not working on the wall because they know if the wall goes up, they won't have easy access anymore. So so let's let's just stop the people from building it. Then we don't need to worry. So. So Nehemiah's response, he prays, Hear, O God, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder a land of in a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt, and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have hurled insults in the face of builders. Nehemiah here basically... <laughs> He, he's more or less praying for a curse on these guys. You know, Lord, you've heard what they've said. Don't let them win. Just, just you know, uh, don't let their sin be blotted out. They've insulted your workers. You're the one who is calling us, who is calling me, who is calling us to rebuild these walls. Do something with them, Lord. Um, and so, and so, uh, uh, that that's Nehemiah's response to uh, Sanballat and Tobiah. Um, so verse 6, So we rebuilt the wall. His response, we rebuild the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So they come together, they're rebuilding the wall to at least half of its height. Now, um, you know, most cities, so you're going to have a wall around your city, you want to keep out invading armies. Walls are at least 20 feet high, if not higher uh, so, so they are rebuilding the wall to at least a ten-foot level here. Um, now, remember, the, the wall's been knocked down, so they've got all of the rubble. So they're, uh, you know, when when he mentioned before about you know the the um, uh, uh, burned out heaps of rubbish, uh, burned out stones, they're they're reusing the stones that had been used in the wall. Now, a lot of those stones are probably gone. Because remember what I said, people are living around Jerusalem, so they wanted to build homes, build buildings. There's a there's a great pile of, of stones right over there. Used to be a wall, but nobody's using it anymore, so I'm going to go grab some stones. So they probably didn't have the same amount of stones to rebuild the walls. Um, 
with original stones, but they rebuilt as much as they could with what they had and will eventually get more. And we know, so he's giving us a little bit of foreshadowing um, uh, that the wall was joined together to half of its height uh, because the people had a mind to work. Isn't that a great sentence? The people had a mind to work. The people believed Nehemiah and what he was saying that we need to rebuild the wall so that we can restart our, our economy. And, and they were all for it. And so the people, the Jewish people from around, around the, all of Jerusalem, they came together to help build. Verse 7, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites uh, heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and the gaps were the gaps were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. So we prayed to our God and sent a guard as protection against them day and night. So, so these guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, uh, Geshem, and, and so on, they, they don't like this. They want this to stop. And so they're gathering armies, and they're going to come in, and they're going to, to cause confusion. Well, they're going to come in and raid the place, is what that means. Um, however, Nehemiah arms the people, or makes sure that the people are armed, and, and so that they will protect themselves. Now, remember... Nehemiah is doing this. He's rebuilding the wall. He's come back to Jerusalem from Persia, from serving the king of Persia with Artaxerxes' approval. Right? He's not doing this just because, oh, hey, you know, I got nothing else to do today. No, Artaxerxes gave him permission. He is going there as the king's representative in order to to rebuild the walls, to restart the economy. And it's, and if you'll excuse me, it's pissing off Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and all of these bullies, all of these warlords who had it good for as long as they did. And they see their fat chicken about to be taken away from them. Um, verse 10. But Judah said, Judah, the, the people is what he means. But Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing and there is too much rubbish so that we are unable to work on the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived near them came, they said to us 10 times, from all the places where they live, they will come up against us. And so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. All right, lots of stuff going on here. Um, the burden of the strength of the burden bearers is failing. There's too much rubbish and we're unable to work on the wall. So there's just a whole boatload of stuff just to get done, trying to to gather materials together to make a good foundation to rebuild the walls. And it's really starting to wear on the people because where do these people come from, right? Remember, Jerusalem is really not inhabited right now. There, there are people working there, but it's really not, there's not a whole lot of people living there. Where are the people? They're around, they're from the outside communities. And so Nehemiah has recruited people from the outside communities to come in to help do things. But now uh, Sanballat and Tobiah the, and, and the other guys, they're threatening people. They're, they're declaring war. They want to come in and kill them. And so the, the people are getting concerned. You know, we're, they're going to walk through us before they get to Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah says, look, we will arm ourselves 
Everybody can arm themselves, get together whatever armor you can as well. Put that on, and we are going to um, we're gonna we're gonna place uh, a guards on, on what walls we have built so far. We're gonna do our best to protect this place. And if you feel unsafe out there, come on into Jerusalem. Um, so, uh, verse 14. After I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, of, of Sanballat and Tobiah and those guys. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So, don't look at them. Look at God. Don't look at them. Look at me. Together, working with God, we can beat these guys. When our enemies, verse 15, when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and body armor. And the leaders posted themselves behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. The burden bearers carried their loads in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and with the other hand held a weapon. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread out, Excuse me, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Rally to us whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet. Our God will fight for us. Okay? They're trying to rebuild the wall. Now, what we know of Jerusalem today, or if you look at a map of Jerusalem, even at Jesus' time, the, the city of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day is maybe a third at the most, more, maybe even more like a quarter of what Jerusalem was in Jesus' day. It's pretty much just the Temple Mount and a little bit more from, from the temple down to the, down to the Pool of Shalom. Um, but it's still, that's still an awful lot of wall to rebuild, right? And so it's starting to wear on the people. Uh, but, but Nehemiah is saying, we, we've got to rebuild the wall. We need to protect ourselves. And here he says, so I'm going to put half of you to work, rebuilding. The other half, you're going to be on guard duty. And not, But not only are you going to be rebuilding, as you rebuild, well, Scripture says they rebuilt with one hand and had their swords in the other hand. More likely, they probably just had, you know, whatever weapon right with them all the time. Um, but, you know, be ready. Be ready to drop what you're doing and grab your weapons and fight off these guys if they come to attack. And because we're so spread out, we're all around the circumference of the wall because we're so spread out. When you hear the horn blow, remember it's the, the ram's horn, the chauffeur, um, uh, S-H. O-A-F-A-R, I think is how it's spelled. Um, Pastor Horner has one, and he likes to take his out every now and then and blow it. Uh, but when you when you hear the sound, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that's where you come running to. That's where you come to, to uh, help defend things. And God is with us, is what Nehemiah says. Verse 21. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night inside Jerusalem so that they may be, be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. 
So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me ever took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon in his right hand. All right. So so the people who are work, working on the wall, they are sleeping there in Jerusalem. They're, they are living in Jerusalem, probably not in very nice accommodations, but they're living in town. <clears throat> um, more than that, though, verse 23, this is a, this is a little weird. And commentaries aren't exactly sure what this means. Neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard ever took off our clothes. Not quite certain what that means. Um, now, obviously, we wouldn't expect them to be running around naked. But does that mean that they never washed? Did they wear their clothes the whole time? That they the same clothes never changed their clothes all the time that they were working in a desert setting? Uh, doing hard labor, rebuilding a wall. I mean, nobody would want to get near them if that were the case. So we're not exactly, what it probably means is that they always had their armor at the ready and that they they probably slept, um, either slept in their armor or, or at the very least slept fully clothed so that should they attack at night, they'd be able to jump up and go right into battle. Um, this other one, each kept his weapon in his right hand. This is a little weird, um, and and again, we're not exactly certain what that means. The 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 um, so, and I, I I need to find it in my note here um, because the um, the literal um, and now of course I can't find my note on that. Um, each weapon, each kept his weapon in his hand um, is. Me, the 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 literal Greek um, is, and I feel very foolish that now I don't have the quote. I don't see my quote right in front of me. Um, so I need to grab another book really quick and pull that up. Uh, again, I apologize. I, I had it in front of me this morning when I did um, when I did this. So I don't know what has happened to my quote since then. And that is verse twenty-three. Um, um, the the. Um, the this this new English translation says each had his weapon even when getting a drink of water, um, and even more so it it literally means um, a man his weapon the waters. So um, we're not exactly sure. That's why the NRSV says each kept his weapon in his right hand. The NET says each had his weapon even when getting a drink of water. We're not like I say we're not exactly sure. Um, it, it probably just means that that you you know you, uh, you you keep your your weapon ready at all times, even if you're going to get a drink. Um, so um, that that's we don't always understand exactly what Scripture says, and that's okay. Um, yeah. So there there are still questions. There are still questions. Uh, about um, how uh, or what 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 Christian or what what scripture means. 
So now, okay, so now we're going to deal with um, with chapter five. Chapter five is, is a little bit of an interesting aside because, okay, chapter four, we're dealing with the actual physical rebuilding of the wall. Now we're starting in chapter five, then we get into some of the repercussions of what's going on. And I, I'm just astounded uh, at how Nehemiah then deals with the problems. Because remember, okay, so remember, um, Judah is an agricultural society, right? Yeah, we've got Jerusalem, but the, the society in general is based on agriculture. Um, and what do you need for agriculture? You need people to go out and work the fields. So what has happened in rebuilding the walls? They've gone out to those outlying communities. They've said, hey, we need help rebuilding the 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 walls. And so people have come in from those communities. If they're rebuilding the walls, what's happening to the agricultural communities that no longer have all of this glut of people? They're no longer able to care for the fields the way that they were. They're not able to water them, weed them. They're not able to, to, to plant the seed or reap the harvest. So either because of, well, in part, commentaries think, in part because there's not the people out in the fields doing this work, um, there's now become a shortage of food. Um, Sanballat and Tobiah and, and his crew, they are on the outskirts of, of this community, and they're, they're raiding, and they're grabbing food from people, and, and even worse. So there is a food shortage. Not only that, so there's a food shortage, or famine, as they will call it here in Scripture in just a moment. Not only is there food shortage slash famine, but people are, the, the, so the, the farmers uh, don't have the cash now because they can't bring in the crop, they can't sell the crop, so they don't have the cash to pay their other bills, so they've got to go to the moneylenders. The moneylenders um, are, uh, <coughs> excuse me, being, they are, uh, and, 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 and so farmers are putting up, you know, they're, they're using collateral, they're using their farms, they're using their equipment, they're using their family members as collateral to get money uh, in order to pay their bills, in order to buy food, and the money lenders um, will only, you know, so, you know, well, the deal, you can borrow money, but then you have to start paying it back. If you can't pay it back, well, then I'm going to, what, what's going to happen? They're going to start collecting the collateral because they can't, the, the person's not paying back the money. So that's going on. It's causing problems. <clears throat> so we get here in chapter five. Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against the Jewish kin. So for for there were so for there were those who said, With our sons and daughters we are many. We must get grain so that we may eat and stay alive. There were also those who said, We are having to pledge our fields, our vineyards, and our houses in order to get grain during the famine. And there were those who said, We are having to borrow money on our fields and our vineyards to pay the king's tax. Now our flesh is the same as that of our kindred, and our children are the same as their children, and yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been ravished. We are powerless, and our fields and vineyards are now belong to others. So the community, the farmers, are losing their fields to the moneylenders. Uh, they don't have the money to pay the tax that they normally would uh, to Persia. Uh, they're having to, to sell off they're losing their collateral, more so they, they even put their families up as collateral and their children, their spouses, sometimes even themselves are being sold and into servitude. 
And what's worse is that it's the Jewish moneylenders who are doing this to fellow Jewish people. Um, and and it, it, the, 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 the main thing with this, especially with, with selling people into bondage, is that um, it's, it's bad enough to be sold into bondage. Um, apparently, the moneylenders are, are selling the, the people into bondage to whomever, which means that they're being sold into bondage to non, uh, non-Israelites. They're, they're selling them into bondage to Gentiles, and that's, that's actually against the law of Moses all the way back in, in the book of Exodus. We read, you're not supposed to do that. And yet here, the moneylenders are doing that because they're, they're trying to make their living. They're trying to survive as well. And, and, and so the people in the surrounding communities, they, this causes an uprising, and they come and they complain to Nehemiah. Isn't it interesting, though, back in verse 1, uh, that there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against the, their Jewish kin. Okay, this is, so this is a patriarchate archical society, right? And so the fact that there's, you know, you know the people rose up, well, normally we would say the people, the guys. No, the, the people rose up and their wives. That's how bad this is, that the women complained, the women came to complain, and their voices were heard because Nehemiah makes a note of it, the people and their wives. So this is, this is, this is a big problem. This is a big problem. People are really PO'd about this. Um, Verse 6, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. After thinking it over, I brought charges against the nobles and officials. I said to them, you are all taking interest from your own people. And I called a great assembly to deal with them. And I said to them, as far as we were able, we have bought back our Jewish kindred who have been sold to other nations. But now you are selling your own kin who must then be bought back by us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in fear of our God to prevent the taunts to the nations of our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us stop this taking of interest. Restore to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the interest on their money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. And they said, we will restore everything and demand nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them take an oath to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out everyone from the house and property who does not perform this promise. Thus may they be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. So Nehemiah uh, finds out about this and, and he's ticked off. And so he calls everybody. He calls the money lenders together, right? Um, and he says, "We we got to stop doing this. We're, the whole intent of me coming back and rebuilding the walls is to kickstart the economy. And what are you doing? You're killing the economy. You're you are you are. Yeah, I understand you're trying to make money, but uh, you know if you give a loan and then." collect on that loan, to collect the collateral, collect the ways of these people making money, um, sell them off into bondage. How, I mean, in the short run, yeah, you're going to get your money. In the long run, that's going to kill the country because we no longer have people who are here to do the work, to build up the economy that will help us in the long run. Uh, 
and, you know, we, and we've been working to get our people back here. And what are you doing? You're turning around and selling them and shipping them away. We've got to get the people back. And so now we, we you know, did, did the money lenders really just roll over and say, oh, yeah, we'll restore everything? I'm sure there was a lot more to the story than that. I'm sure there was a lot of back and forth. But still, they agreed in the end. They agreed, yes, okay, we'll, we'll stop collecting the, the collateral. We'll lend the money. We will do expect to be repaid. But we'll give them their, their, their collateral back. Um, hopefully they, they went and they, and they bought those people who had been sold into servitude. They bought them back. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, because Nehemiah himself says, you know, look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I will lend money. I'm not charging interest. Um, I, I, you know, um, Verse 10, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money in vain. Let us stop this taking of interest. So Nehemiah said, we, we, we're not going to get the economy to work if we don't all work together. And by collecting the machinery, by confiscating the land, by selling people and sending them away, that is not going to help us restart this economy. That's going to send us further down into the hole. And and the the money lenders, the the economic business people, agreed. You know what? That's right. Let's let's look at the long term, not the short term. So we continue, verse fourteen. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to my 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years. So he's, Nehemiah is doing this for 12 years. Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took food and wine from them besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I devoted myself to the work of this wall and acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, they, they, there were at my table 150 people, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that, now that which was prepared for one day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me, and every ten days skins of wine in abundance. Yet with all of this I did not demand the food allowance of the governor, because of the heavy burden of labor on the people, remember for my good, O oh my God, all that I have done for this people. So, as governor of the area, he is allowed, he is allowed to demand from the people that they supply his food at an annual salary of 40 shekels. Each, from each, from each family, would give him 40 shekels. Um, but he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, so we're assuming that he is continuing to be um, funded by Artaxerxes, that, that Persia is underwriting all of his expenses. Either that or he was financially well off. But more likely, uh, the Persian government is underwriting him. Um, and, but he's saying, I didn't demand that you, re that you provide my food. I provided my own food not only for me, but for 150 people. And this is how much food we needed. We needed an ox. We needed six sheep. We needed birds and ten wineskins every day. Um, or excuse me, every 10 days, skins of wine in abundance. So, um, yeah, the, Nehemiah says, I did this. I didn't ask this of you. I provided this for myself and for my people by myself. 
Um, and then we have there in verse 19, the first of four times Nehemiah uses this prayer uh, throughout the book. Remember for my good, oh my God, for all that I have done for this people. So Nehemiah is praying to God, God, remember all the good things that I'm trying to do for these people. Please remember me. He, he's, this is kind of like a, a, it's not kind of, this is a petition. Um, he, he's, he's, he's asking for a blessing. You know, Lord, please, um, please remember me for, for all the good things that I've done here. Um, so um, um, we continue now, we continue now in chapter six. Um, excuse me again. <clears throat> chapter six, we're going to take another turn, right? Chapter four, rebuilding the wall. Chapter five, dealing with the repercussions of taking people away from their jobs, away from the fields in order to work on the wall. Chapter six now, having to deal with the enemy. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah and to Geshem the Arab that, and to the rest of our enemies that I had built the wall and that there was no gap left in it, though up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Onan. Uh, uh, that's approximately 20 miles north and slightly uh, west of Jerusalem. Um, but they intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? They sent me, they sent to me four times this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Okay, so, so they're working on the wall. Sanballat and, and Tobiah and Geshem don't want this wall to be finished. These are the bullies. These are the warlords. They don't want this wall to be finished. So they contact Nehemiah. Hey, Nehemiah, um, you know, we need we, we really need to talk about this. Why don't you come over here and let's talk about this? Let's let's get you 20 miles away from, from, from Jerusalem. You won't have any supporters around. No, nothing bad will happen to you, Nehemiah. Yeah, right. So, don't you love the way that Nehemiah responds here? Um I'm doing great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Why should I and, and leave to come to you? I got stuff to do here. I don't have time. Bye, Felicia, is what he's saying to them. Four times they send him this 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 letter. Four times, and four times he replies, I'm busy. I got better stuff to do. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servants to me with an open letter in his hand. An open letter. That uh, means, you know, like uh, he, we're taking, taking an ad out in the Wall Street Journal, a full-page ad, uh, an open letter to, to Nehemiah. Um, and it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to this report, you wish to become their king. You have also set up prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, there was a king in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these words. So come, therefore, and let us confer together. Sanballat is playing a game. He is saying here, hey, you know, Nehemiah, I'm I'm looking out for you, buddy. But there's this rumor going around. 
there's this rumor going, and Geesham's heard it too. There's this rumor going around that that you built this wall in order to to rebel against the king, and and there are prophets who are saying that you paid them to say that oh now there's a new king in in Jerusalem. Nehemiah is the governor. Nehemiah is the representative of Artaxerxes. Nehemiah has been sent there by Artaxerxes. Apparently, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem haven't comprehended that. And so there's, there, there's, there's this rumor going on, and Geshem's heard it too. Nehemiah responds. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done. You are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking, Their hands will drop from this work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Bullies are being bullies. They're trying to BS Nehemiah into stopping work to get him afraid that, Oh no, they're going to go tell the king everything that I'm doing and I'm going to be in trouble. That's what they think Nehemiah will think. Nehemiah is there because of the king of Persia. He's not going to look to overthrow the king. He's there doing what he said to the king that he wanted to do. He's there doing what he told the king he's doing. They, they, they should send that report back and have... Those officials come out. Oh, the other thing about the about um, there there are there um, uh, you have also set up prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. There is a king in Judah. Okay, you know there are there are tr true prophets of God and false prophets of God, and the way that you tell the difference between them is if what they say comes true. So you don't know right away if somebody is being a true prophet of God. You've got to wait. You've got to wait to see if what they say comes true. Apparently, somebody, <coughs> Sanballat, has paid off a bunch of prophets to go around saying, oh, Nehemiah's king, Nehemiah's going to become king. And Nehemiah knows what they're doing, and he's not falling for it. So then we get to verse 10. So one day I went into the house of Shemaiah, son of Delilah, son of Mahethtabal, who was confined to his home. This guy is apparently a prophet as well. And, and for whatever reason, he's confined to his home, whether or not he's under house arrest or if he's there because of, you know, he's trying to purify himself because of a purity ritual or something. We don't know, but he's he's confined to his home. Maybe maybe he broke his leg. We don't know. Um, but he's confined to his home. Um, but but Shemaiah says, um, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, tonight they are coming to kill you. All right. So this guy, Shemaiah, apparently calls Nehemiah into his house and he says, hey, there's a plot against you, a plot against your life. So you know where you'll be safe. You'll be safe in the temple. Let's go into the Holy of Holies. We'll shut the doors. They won't be able to get you. Who is allowed in the Holy of Holies? Only the priests. Is Nehemiah a priest? No. Is he allowed in the Holy of Holies, therefore? No. Does he know this? Yes. Does Shemaiah know this? Yes. What is Shemaiah doing? He's trying to screw Nehemiah over. Because if he gets Nehemiah into the temple, 
into the Holy of Holies, what's Nehemiah going to, Nehemiah is going to be disgraced. Nehemiah will no longer hold any good in the eyes of the people because he has defiled the Holy of Holies. And if he's defiled the Holy of Holies, who's going to follow him? So Shemaiah, Shemaiah is not a good guy here. Verse 11, but I said, should a man like me run away? Would a man like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Nehemiah says, no, we're not doing this. That's wrong. Verse 12, then I perceived and saw that God had not sent him at all, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Plot twist here. He was hired for this purpose to intimidate me and make me sin by acting in this way. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So it's not just this guy, but, but they are hiring other prophets to stand up and to proclaim against Nehemiah to get him in trouble. Because what's a tactic of a bully? Intimidation. Do they really have power? No. And they know that they don't have power. That's why they're trying to intimidate him. And is it working? No. Imagine that. So, uh, yeah. So, no. So, Nehemiah refuses to go to the temple. Uh, he avoids, he avoids the, uh, the, the, because the other thing is, not only will Nehemiah be, uh, be disgraced if he goes to the temple, that's where they're planning on killing him. So, two reasons to not go to the temple. Verse 15. So, the wall was finished. Yay! The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. Uh, Elul, that's like August, September. Um, 52 days. When 52 days, less than three months, they were able to repair the wall. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. So, they're, they're still, they're, on the one hand, uh, uh, people are sending letters to Tobiah saying, oh, Tobiah, you're really great. You know, they're trying to stay on Tobiah's good side because what is he? He's, he's a bully. He's a warlord. Uh, but Tobiah, meanwhile, is sending letters to Nehemiah, uh, continuing to try to intimidate him, to try to get him to step down, to go away. Um, but, uh, but Nehemiah's not buying it. So 
that's where we'll pick up next week. Uh, Pastor Horner will we'll get us there with, with chapter 7 and 8, uh, and it should be a good and interesting time. So thank you, friends, so much for taking the time uh, to to log in, to, to listen to this, to listen to my ramblings. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you had some fun and uh, understand a little bit more about our Old Testament friend, Nehemiah. God's peace be with you. Take care. Bye-bye.